This is the Truth Hurts program with your host, Steve Z, telling it like it is. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts program. It is June 1st, 2021. My apologies in advance for my voice, a little under the weather with a summer cold, just in time for the beginning of the month of June. I hope it's not too unbearable for you. Welcome back to the Truth Hurts program. It is June the 1st, 2021, and I am Steve Z, coming to you live from Studio 63, right here in Bayou Country, down in the heart of South Louisiana. It is June 1st, as I said, which marks the official beginning of the Atlantic tropical hurricane season. Well, that brings lots and lots of hope and joy to the many insurance adjusters, contractors, roofers, construction professionals, mitigation experts, etc. But the very thought of June 1st each year brings dread and gloom and doom and visions of destruction to millions of people who live in hurricane-prone areas. I know, I know. The first things out of your mouths, for those of you who don't live in Hurricane Alley, as we call it, is why the hell would you live there? Well, I want you to think for just a moment. People who live in California live in the constant fear of earthquakes and earth shakes and trembles and land splitting wide open. Tsunamis, not to mention the onslaught of liberalism. Those who live in the Corn Belt have that fear of tornadoes, twisters, cyclones every year or drought, or major hailstorms. Those who live way up north have the fear of blizzards and snowstorms and ice storms. And there's nowhere in this country you can actually live and properly live where there's not some threat of natural disaster. Even in the northeast, you have to worry about different nor'easters. And in the northwest, you worry about massive wildfires. So. Don't talk to me about living in Hurricane Alley. You finally did it. You decided to escape the ever-threatening land of liberalism, earthquakes, illegal invading immigrants, Hollywood liberalism, progressivism, wokeism, the socialist hellhole of homeless encampments and sanctuaries in the state of California. Congratulations. I know it takes quite a lot to make a resident of the Golden State want to leave. Nah, not really. The big question is this, however, if you're deciding to leave California, like millions have decided to do over the past 10 years, and more so now, even under the Gropey Joe administration, which leaves me scratching my head, where are you going to go? You want to leave the liberal, leftist, progressive, woke, Democrat-run states like California, and we congratulate you for your foresightedness, for your independence, for your common sense. Now, it does leave several viable options. Where will you move to? Texas? Florida? Seems like obvious choices, right? After all, except for Miami in Florida, and except for Austin in Texas, those places are traditionally conservative in their thinking, their governing, and their value systems. There's always Georgia, Alabama, Mississippi, Arkansas, Louisiana, North Carolina, South Carolina. At least you won't be snowed in for weeks at a time. You could go to Kansas, Nebraska, or one of the Corn Belt states. Nowhere's perfect, as I said at the onset of the program. Like I said, Tornado Alley runs through the midsection, the hail belt as we call it. Then there's the snow belt, the ice belt, north of that. Southern states all have their fair share of weather events each year, but at least there's no earthquakes or tsunamis, right? Today, as I said, is the official start of the Atlantic hurricane season. It's a time of year again. Whether you already live in places like Louisiana, Mississippi, Texas, Alabama, Florida, Georgia, North or South Carolina, or you're planning on moving to one of those states, 
I need you to take a few minutes to hear the following bit of information. It could save your life. It could make surviving a hurricane or a tropical storm more bearable for you. And just to be fair, those of you who live in New Jersey, New York, along the East Coast, you too could be a victim of a hurricane or a tropical storm. Remember Irene in 2011? Sandy in 2012? Who could forget? All of those liberal senators and representatives in Congress who used to bitch and complain about sending money to bail out Louisiana after Katrina or sending money to places like Texas or Florida after major hurricanes saying, why the hell would you want to live there? They got a taste of their payback, their karma back in 2011 and 2012 when Irene and Sandy struck New York, proving that New York ain't such a great place after all. Back when I was a young boy, growing up in the 1960s, our parents were told by the famous weatherman Nash Roberts on WWL television every June 1st what they needed to do to prepare for hurricane season. We'd run to the store, buy three rolls of masking tape, two flashlights, a transistor radio that ran on a 9-volt battery, D-cell batteries for the flashlights and a 9-volt battery or two for the transistor radio. We bought canned goods, canned food, of course, in case you were without power for days and days. Everyone had a manual can opener back then. It was a staple of every household kitchen. And we learned not to open the refrigerator if the power went out because, well, you wanted to make sure everything stayed cold for as long as possible. Fill up the tub with water, was what we were always told. If the utility company shuts off the power to the water pumping station and fresh drinking water runs in short supply, you can always get a pot full of water from your tub and boil that water on your gas stove and let it cool down and drink it or cook with it. Also, that bathtub full of water was useful for flushing the toilet if the utility system went down. But that was it. That's what we did. If an impending storm was headed our way, you went to the windows, you took your masking tape out, and you placed a small section of masking tape in each pane of glass that ran from corner to corner diagonally, making an X in the middle of each pane of glass. Now, as a young child, I thought, why the hell are they doing this? What good is that? That's not going to stop anything from breaking the glass. The idea, of course, was if that pane of glass were knocked inside of the home, the tape would hold it together and keep shattered glass from going all over the place so you wouldn't step on it if you were bare of foot. Of course, the flashlight for when the power went out, the transistor radio so you could at least hear what was happening, where the storm was headed, containers of water and canned food. That was it. That was our survival kit. And that's what people did back in the 1960s, 1970s. Fast forward to this year, 2021, my home properly constructed with hurricane ties on the framing in the attic that ties the entire roof system to the wall system and then of course the lag bolts that hold the bottom plate of your walls to the concrete slab. Houses apparently are built better today than they were back then. If you're scratching your head, so am I. Grandma's house was built in the 1880s and it's still standing after probably 15 hurricanes through its lifetime. I remember driving through Moore, Oklahoma in the year 2013, this past weekend to be exact, in 2013, so what's that, eight years ago, and the so-called better-built homes were leveled and flattened by the tornado, so who knows? 
Anyway, nowadays our home is equipped with hurricane shutters that close and lock on the front of our house, reinforced garage door. All the other windows are protected by removable Lexan sheet panels built to withstand direct 140 mile per hour winds. And they test these panels which screw into the brick wall of your home. They test these panels by inserting a six foot two by four into a cannon and they propel it directly into the Lexan panel. And the window doesn't break, it's really neat. Of course, nowadays we have the whole house generator which runs on natural gas. We have a gasoline backup generator to ensure electrical power if the power happens to go out here. One of the few neighborhoods in South Louisiana Newer neighborhoods all have power underground like they do in the rest of the country, but the majority of South Louisiana still does it the old-fashioned way. Drill a hole in the ground, stick a telephone pole in the hole, and string wires up in the backyards of every house, then run that long cable from the telephone pole to the meter pan in the house, and you have a recipe for disaster. Tree limbs and other flying debris, not to mention the wind itself, could rip those lines down, and you're without power. Now, of course, a mile or so away from our subdivision is a substation which still strings electrical lines on power poles. They go in about half a mile from our subdivision. They go underground, and everything underground is, is all new, so we're good. We have that 22,000 watt of 22KW Generac whole home generating system. It's actually dual fuel. I could also hook up a large propane tank if I chose to do so and it would operate on propane as well as the natural gas. If a major storm is headed our way, we'll be hooking up the 40-foot toy hauler fifth-wheel travel trailer to the back of the old F-250. The idea, of course, is head north. Pack up the family, the pets, hook up the fifth wheel, bring enough clothing and food to last you for weeks in case that's how long you are displaced during a major event, and head north. Other than regular campgrounds or the back of a truck stop, I have several friends along the route as far north as Bemidji, Minnesota, as far east, northeast as Baltimore, Maryland, as far west as Las Vegas, Nevada. I can evacuate just about to anywhere. With the extra 39-gallon tank in the bed of the old F-250, I don't have to worry about fuel shortages along the way. That 40-foot toy hauler also has a generator built on board so I don't even have to worry about finding a place to go camping or to stay because on board the actual camper itself is a 39 gallon gasoline tank to power the generator. So I'm in pretty good shape as far as that's concerned. Nowadays folks don't rely on the old transistor radios like they used to. Matter of fact it's pretty hard to even find one. I scoured the internet and found a 9-volt transistor battery-operated radio with a telescoping antenna the other day for 10 bucks. Might be a good idea for you to have one of those devices. Everyone thinks nowadays, well, we've got cell phones. Well, when the cell service goes out, and you know it will, those radio stations are all run on generators. There'll be some way of getting information to you on that transistor radio. Flashlights are a lot more efficient nowadays as well. Most of them run on LEDs, light-emitting diodes, instead of an incandescent bulb. So you don't need as many batteries as you did in the old days. Lots of places sell solar-powered flashlights, which will also charge your cell phone. We've got three of those devices, one in the truck, one in the motorcycle, one in the RV. 
I'm sure my better half has one tucked away somewhere as well. The idea of filling up the bathtubs with water still holds true. If the utilities go down and the water is not pumping through your pipes and you need to take care of a little nature's business, it's good to be able to grab a pot full of water and dump it into the commode. It'll flush the toilet for you automatically, even if the water is out for your local utility. Canned food is just as important now as it was then. How many of you still have a wind-up, hand-operated can opener? Might want to run down to the old Wally World or the Dollar General or your local uh, grocery store and pick you up a manually operated can opener. June 1st, or usually the weekend before June 1st, we make the yearly pilgrimage to the large warehouse store so that we can stock up on the requisite canned food items. Tuna, canned chicken, of course vegetables and other things that you would eat if the power were out and all of your food in the refrigerator and freezer happened to spoil. You'd do yourself well also to have a gas grill, you know, Charm Glow or a Coleman grill with propane so that you can cook or at least boil water in the event of a long-term power outage. I've got that. I've got charcoal grill. I've got a gas grill or two laying around there. Several containers of propane. Now's also the time of year if you have a gasoline-powered generator to go out, change the oil in that puppy, change the air filter, maybe change the spark plug, put a little tiny bit of fuel in it with some stable fuel stabilizer, and make sure that generator runs. Not just that the engine starts. Put a load on it. Put a skill saw. Hook up a skill saw to it. Turn that generator on. Let it get going. Operate that skill saw. Make sure the generator is generating electricity and not just a gasoline-powered noisemaker. Other items, of course, if you're in a flood-prone area, now's the time of year to start looking at where your computer is located. I can't tell you the number of homes I visit each year for flood damage. They have a computer tower on the floor. Many of those people don't realize the flood insurance policy will not pay you replacement cost value for that 10-year-old Sony computer or that 15-year-old PlayStation. Get those things up and off the ground. A foot or two is usually all you need, unless you're right on the coast. And then, of course, all bets are off. Get yourself a go box, a go bag, an emergency evacuation container. Waterproof is preferable. Keep all of your important information in that go box. It needs to be ready to throw in the car when you evacuate. It needs to go with you. You keep your medical records, your birth certificates, your social security cards, your important information on your homeowner's insurance, your car insurance, your life insurance, titles and deeds, wills, all of those important papers that you're going to need if you end up in another state and your house gets completely destroyed, you're going to need that information to file your insurance claims. You're going to need that information to file for any government assistance that might be available to storm victims. Have that emergency go bag in a convenient place and make darn sure that's the first thing you put into the car before you leave to evacuate. Know in advance where you're going. Very important. Where are you going to go? I don't know. Let's just get in the car and... Storm's coming from the south. We'll just drive north and get a hotel room. Doesn't always work that way. Hotel rooms book up very quickly, close to the storm-prone areas. The utility companies, the insurance adjusters, they know when a storm is coming in, and they pretty much know where that storm is going to land. Travel agencies that represent those utility companies, those tree trimmers, 
those power line workers, those insurance adjusters, those water mitigation expert companies that come in. They're going to book those hotel rooms before you even think about evacuating. So your trip may be way farther north or east or west than the one hour drive you were planning on taking. Not to mention all of your friends and relatives and neighbors, people in the next subdivision over, three subdivisions away from that, or the town down the lane. They're all looking for the place to evacuate to as well. Know in advance where you're going. Make your reservations as early as possible. Use a service that won't penalize you for a cancellation. Now's also the time to make sure your tires are in good condition. Have proper air inflation. Make sure the oil has been changed and the vehicle's been properly maintained. Nothing pisses me off more than trying to evacuate. And right there, in the middle lane of a three-lane interstate highway, is Mr. Oopsie who forgot to check the air pressure and now has to change a flat in the middle of a major evacuation. Or the guy who didn't check his fuel gauge and simply ran out of fuel. Or the guy who's been putting off that little engine tick and that check engine light for the last six months. And now he's lying there in the middle of the road under his car trying to figure out just what the hell went wrong with it. One other thing that I encourage people to do before the hurricane season, today would be a good day to start. Get a digital camera. You know, not your smartphone, or you could nowadays use your smartphone, but get a digital camera. Go to the outside of your house. Take a photograph of the outside of your house as it looks today. The front, the left, the right, and the rear sides of your house, showing the bottom of the floor all the way to the tippy-tippy top of the roof. Nice picture. This is what my house looks like. Then go inside and take pictures room by room. Start in your living room. That's the common sense place to start. Stand in one corner and take an overview photograph of the entire room. Now go to the other opposing corner and take another photograph looking back towards the corner you've just photographed. Do this in the bedrooms, do this in the closets, do this in the bathrooms, do this in the kitchen, in the dining room, in the laundry room. Make a list of the major items in your home. Have it in advance because if your house gets wiped away by hurricane winds or it burns to the ground, or the flood comes in and washes it all away. Trust me, you will want those photographs to show to your insurance adjuster to help justify all the items you are claiming on your insurance claim. Open each drawer, take an overview shot of each dresser drawer, each kitchen cabinet, each bathroom vanity, the shelves atop your closets. You want to be able to paint a picture to the insurance adjuster of what you had, its quality, its condition, and you want to have that copy in your emergency go bag. You also want to send a copy to a relative somewhere away from where you live. If you live in Gulfport, Mississippi, send a relative that you might have in Wyoming a copy of that disc or that memory card or that thumb drive. And then send one to another relative on the other side of the country or a friend or close close co-worker, somebody you know, away from where you live. Of course, nowadays, the advent of cell phones and the cloud, you can always upload that photo set to the cloud so you can retrieve it at a later time. Now's also a good time if you are considering getting the vaccine for the Wuhan China novel coronavirus of 2019 to go ahead and get that done. Imagine you've just been putting it off and putting it off for whatever reason. 
and now a hurricane is on the way. You think the National Guard is going to be worried about putting needles in arms? Or putting bottles of water on trucks to get to disaster victims? If you're going to get it, go ahead and get it now, along with any other medical things you need. I always encourage folks at the start of hurricane season each year to go ahead, if you can, get a 90-day supply of your prescription medicine. That way you don't have to worry about trying to have a prescription transferred to some strange city or some strange state in the event you have to evacuate. Most pharmacies understand if you're living in a hurricane-prone area and they will make those accommodations. Hopefully your insurance will go ahead and cover a three-month supply. I do the three-month supply now and then each month I just add the next single month supply until the end of hurricane season and then I'm good. These are just a few tips for you all folks who may or may not have ever had to deal with a hurricane. The good news about hurricanes is you generally have at least 48 hours from the time it's found, discovered, till the time it makes landfall. Some you have a week. There have been a few, of course, that pop up overnight in the Gulf of Mexico right near Houston and they go right on in the next morning. But on those quick pop-up storms, generally speaking, they're not nearly as severe as one that has gotten angry, pissed off because it had to leave Africa and come all the way across the ocean, past the Caribbean islands, and then come to your house. Nothing good comes from Africa. Sorry. That's just the way I feel. Saharan dust and hurricanes. According to the National Hurricane Center, national-hurricane-center.org, Hurricane survival is contingent upon being prepared for the worst. A good hurricane preparedness plan starts off with a hurricane checklist to ensure that you and your family have the necessary survival gear to get you through the worst that a hurricane has to throw at you. With that in mind, the National Hurricane Center has brought you a hurricane checklist available from the American Red Cross. And it says water, one gallon per person per day for a three-day minimum. I say five days. Non-perishable food, enough for three days, they say. I say enough for five days. Flashlight per person with extra batteries. And if you have little kids, they're going to burn those batteries up in no time. A battery-powered radio or one of those hand-crank emergency AM-FM transistor-type radios. Extra batteries for everything. A properly stocked current first aid kit. Of course, we talked about those prescriptions. You'll also want to bring regular medicines, vitamins, everything you take on a regular basis, plus a bottle of Tylenol or Advil or aspirin. You'll need a multi-purpose tool, maybe like a Swiss Army knife or one of those other plier handy jobs. You never know when you're going to need it. Of course, personal hygiene and sanitary products. That go box with a list of all your personal documents, your medication list, your pertinent medical information, Proof of address, deeds, leases to homes, titles to cars, passports, birth certificates, insurance policies. Cell phone, chargers, family and emergency contact information, extra money, some extra cash. Come on now, you know you all have a little stockpile of stimulus money still lying around somewhere. Put some of that in your go bag. You'll want to bring an emergency blanket. Baby supplies if you have babies, you know, formula, bottles, diapers, medicines, etc. If you're carrying pets with you, please understand, lots of places won't accept your pets. Shelters. If you run a hotel, and it's a nice hotel, they don't want your dog or your cat 
peeing all over the place or taking a dump all over the place, and that's their right. They're a private business. They're not required to take your pets. But if you do take your pets and you find a place, of course, leashes and collars with an ID and a phone number in case your little poochie or your little kitty kitty gets loose, you want to be able to be contacted. You'll want a pet container, a kennel of some sort, and a food carrier, a bowl, food, you know, something that's not smelling up your car or the evacuation shelter like dog food or cat food. You'll want to have in advance the necessary tools and supplies to secure your home. I'll get back to that one in just a minute. An extra set of keys for your home and your automobile. Can you imagine you lose your keys along the way? You'll want to bring enough clothing for the duration of time you're planning on evacuating, plus a day or so, just in case. You'll want a hat. Sometimes it's hot as hell outside. And you want sturdy shoes. Evacuation is not the time to make a fashion statement. Bring insect repellent and sunscreen, and I always recommend a can of Wasp and Hornet spray. It's a great self-defense tool. If you're so inclined, of course, don't forget your weapon and a sufficient supply of ammunition. You'll want to take a camera or at least have your cell phone available to take pictures of that hurricane damage. Make sure you're in a safe, secure shelter that is not in a flood zone. Take a few minutes now before the season gets really going. Go to FEMA.gov. Look up the hurricane preparedness checklist on the American Red Cross page and be ready. Now back to that line that said supplies and tools for securing your home. If you don't have hurricane shutters or Lexan panels, cut to fit plywood to fit in each of your windows. Keeping the wind out and keeping flying debris out will help keep your home safe. Secure those boards in place with bolts and nuts and screws and washers. Make sure your garage door is secured. Find a way to reinforce it from the inside. Garage doors are the number one most vulnerable access point to your house. Once that garage door gets blown in or sucked out, Katie, bar the door. Because the rest of it's getting blown in or sucked out along with it through that giant orifice. The U.S. government expects another active Atlantic hurricane season this year with as many as 10 hurricanes and as many as 17 tropical storms that might or might not turn into hurricanes. This hurricane season from Anna to Wanda could prove to be quite devastating. Remember, it only takes one to hit to cause you major trouble. National Weather Service says it's time to prepare now, not at the last minute, right before a hurricane approaches. Stay abreast of all of the road construction nightmares that might befall you on your way out of town should you have to evacuate. Know those large major highway projects in advance. Call your insurance company or your insurance agent. Ask for an insurance checkup just to make sure you have enough homeowner's insurance to repair or even replace your home, especially now with all the inflation and the higher costs of building materials that are going on. If you do plan to try and ride out a storm at home, good luck. Make sure your home is in good repair and up to current building code specification and that you have all of those necessary supplies. Remember last year there were a record 30 named storms and 14 of those became hurricanes and half of that number became major hurricanes with winds of at least 111 miles per hour. 
Last year was the fifth costliest season on record, damage at over 50 billion, according to NOAA. So be prepared, my friends. It could get nasty, and it could get nasty quickly, and last a long, long time. One other tip, not just for hurricane season, but for seasonal rains and everything else. If you live in an area that has storm drains, or just those drains along the curbs at the street in front of your home, make sure those things are kept clear of leaves and debris. If they get clogged, the water has nowhere to go, your house could become a flood target. If you think you don't need flood insurance, you're wrong. The only people in the United States of America who do not need flood insurance are those who live at the very top of the mountain or in an area more than 150 miles from any water source. So in other words, you need flood insurance. Theoretically, the farther you live from a flooding source and the higher above sea level you reside, the less likely it is that you will flood, which could only mean your flood insurance rates would be lower than someone who lives below sea level in New Orleans, right near the coast. That's going to wrap up this Hurricane 2021 edition of the Truth Hurts program. Prepare, prepare, prepare. And we look forward to seeing you on our next episode. Go out there and make it a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening. The opinions expressed are protected free speech under the First Amendment to the U.S. Constitution. We apologize if you were offended, but we retract nothing. Background music by Jason Shaw and Audionautics. Copyright 2021, The Truth Hurts Network.